What is up, everybody? We are here for episode 3-0, the big 30. I know it took long enough to get here, but we are here, and I'm super stoked to have Jason Maxwell on for this episode. He is so genuine, so kind, and just really good at being himself. He is a country music artist from Ontario, Canada, and we had a very interesting 2020 way of connecting, and you'll hear all about it on today's episode. Let me not hold you up any longer with this intro. Here he is, Jason Maxwell. Please listen carefully. Well, welcome to the Lemon Soul Podcast, um, quarantine edition. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) For everyone, I I have to say this because I think it's so 2020. Um, The way me and Jason met was over TikTok. (laughs) TikTok, which you know about that. And I immediately like, obviously, so I saw like your music stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, I love his voice. This is awesome. But what made me really want to like have you on the podcast and what we got talking about afterwards, like I watched your live video and you're just really genuine and you're goofy and you're not afraid to be yourself. And I think that's sometimes maybe hard to come by. Um, And I just thought I was like, this is like a real person. This is someone I can have a conversation (laughs) with. (laughs) And so um, once we got chatting about like, kind of your process and what you've already done and where you're at now. I was just like, this is so cool. And I just, I can't wait to share your story. So I'm really excited. Oh, thanks for having me on. Um, okay. I want to get started because you weren't always a country music artist. You grew up playing hockey. You were just like, you wanted to be in the NHL. Where did that cross over? And we're like your family and friends, you're, you started singing and they're like, what is going on? Or was it kind of like a mesh and they kind of expected it? So it's kind of funny. I started playing guitar with my cousin at the exact same time when I was about 13 or 12, I think somewhere a long time ago, geez. And I, I, I was like very passionate about it. I was playing every day, I was taking lessons and trying to learn as much, as best as I could on my own. And after about a year or so, it kind of just faded out, petered out. I was always busy playing baseball, hockey, football, soccer with my friends, any, any sport really. Uh, was always competitive in that sort of sense. Like just in my family too, all my cousins have all played hockey uh, and any activity or sport that we get into playing amongst ourselves always ends with some sort of argument, altercation, fight. It's just the way that we all grew up together in. I guess that's what's kind of made me so passionate about doing music. Uh, Music kind of didn't circle back around till I would say the end of high school. I started posting some covers on, uh, believe it or not, Instagram. Before that, you would have never found me on Instagram. I was like barely on Facebook, just messing around with my friends, sending goofy sort of videos, that type of deal. But I was never, it was never a form of expression for me. I was never showcasing anything that I did in my personal life. Uh, I don't know. I grew up in a time where I would like to keep all that sort of stuff personal. And I even remember when I was a little kid in school, they told you like, never post a picture with your face online or this or that. But the culture's totally changed nowadays. Everybody knows that stuff can be photoshopped or altered or they know who the real you really is, I guess, uh, which is an interesting concept because as much as you put out there online, everything that you post yourself and that you see other people post is subconsciously curated. Uh, you only show what you want other people to see. And it took me a while to kind of understand is how you're saying that you came across me now and I come across as a goofy, wacky human of some sort. Uh, it wasn't always like that. I was especially doing music. It's a very, uh, they want, they want a clean cut type of image as much as they want you to be expressive or showcase your own side. They also want you to stay within the lines of, 
not having an actual opinion on stuff to make you more relatable. And what I've found over time is that the, as much as you may shut out some sort of different demographics or sectors or just different types of people, the ones that do stick are going to be the ones that actually like the genuine you and that connection lasts as opposed to having a hit song that everybody likes and knows because it was a hit song as opposed to them having an actual connection with the artist themselves, right? Yeah, it's going to last way longer. And even for you, like mentally, knowing that you're producing content that is truly you versus like, again, like you're saying, like extremely curated for the label, for the industry, that weighs, I imagine, much easier on like your mental health in the long term, right? Because I don't know because I'm not in that realm, but for I what I gather, like if you're always putting out content that doesn't, that's just like a, some version, some like celebrity version of you, and eventually at some point you're going to be like, who the fuck am I? <laughs> yeah, I would be lying if I didn't say that that happened a couple times uh, and nobody really. Because you had one Instagram and then you've switched over. What was, what was the reason for that? Uh, well, I guess the primary reason was that I noticed Instagram was no longer showing my content. To yeah, There was no growth opportunities. Uh, the second reason was because uh, if I wasn't going to be growing, I might as well build a tighter circle of people that actually uh, they they vibrate with me in my wavelength as opposed to maybe they came across a nicely edited photo that someone took in the perfect sunset or whatever. Uh, and the people that, that like the stuff without the flashy edits or, or anything like that, uh, I definitely have found. And I've, I've, I didn't have these types of views when I started doing music, which is, which is crazy to think that a couple of years ago, it's all flip flopped completely, but seeing how other artists operate and seeing how, the so-called famous artists you would see that are put in the box in front of you on the billboard, uh, if you kind of know what's really going on behind the scenes uh, and who has longevity in their artistry and career, I realize that building a stronger but smaller group of people that support me is always going to outweigh having the the shallow but widespread attention from others. Um, I want to ask about like you were saying, like your growth, what it kind of like teetered out or Instagram, the algorithms, whatever. But you, you were posting videos on YouTube and you went to like 10,000 K in like a year. Like that's, is that fast? I don't know. That seems like fast to me. I would like to agree with you. That was on Instagram, not on YouTube. Funny, funny story. Actually, I was just down in Nashville in March recording right before, uh, the whole corona spread everywhere. And this was actually the same week that, th that a tornado hit in Nashville. Uh, so, yeah, we were down there for that. Uh, luckily, didn't land near us. But at the border, when we're going across, the guy was asking, uh, uh, oh, like, how many, how many, what do you do music-wise? Because we said we're going to record. I said, oh, like, mostly on Instagram and TikTok, if you've heard of that. And the, the border guard looked at me and he was like, oh, have you seen the one where the guy hits the one note? And I was like, how does this guy even know, like, the TikTok trends? But then they asked about YouTube and I said, oh, I'm not doing much on there. He's just like, you've been doing music for a few years and only a only a, only 100 <laughs> YouTube subscribers. I was like, give me a break, bud. Like, he was asking if I'm on a label and all that. I was like, you have no clue, man. I'm trying. I'm trying hard. <laughs> well, then what has the process been like? from going to online covers to being on stage how did where did that even come from how did you how did the label contact you like what how was that process 
very, I guess it started back, I joined a local band, uh, kind of like the story we were just talking about before we rolled the podcast. I was doing a tryout for a, a girl that had found me on Instagram and I said, why, why not? Like I've never, never tried out for any band before. It was, it was kind of strange because in my life I've tried out for countless rep teams in hockey and baseball and all that. And the pressure of a tryout never made me nervous. Cause like I, I it was just, when you do something four or five, six times a week, it's just like a, you, you don't think about it. You're in a state of free flow. And with this, it's uh, do, singing songs and performing for someone is such a, you have such a small window of kind of showcasing or performing what you can do. And I was very nervous for the tryout. I was also nervous because I never met anybody online, just purely online. And I started in this band Luckily, I made it. They gave me a chance. So I got to, I got, yeah, I got to get my feet wet uh, in the industry, learning everything, learning everything how to do it. But more importantly, I learned everything not to do. Uh, it was a great experience to not be the front man and see how everything works and always make mental notes of, oh, you should definitely do this because this is how the end result was. And oh, stay away from doing this or acting like that or going about business in that way because you can see the follow without having the risk almost just as much as you got the benefit from stuff without having to put in the work and then after that I I kind of realized I came to a point after about a year or so that I needed to have more direction with my own artistry because I was never going to be a session musician for that sort of a purpose I was never just a backup type thing it was always me playing my acoustic and singing in the front and I wanted to do my own songs too and have more say in the whole creation of the art because we were playing her songs and playing her shows and all that so it was definitely a, a moment where I realized I had to to start from the ground up on my own and that's where the uh, online videos came in and I was posting as much as I could and like you're saying I, I got up to about 10,000 followers on Instagram in the first year uh, from somebody who doesn't post or or have any sort of sense of that I, I definitely studied it and was taking a, a keen look at what other people's were posting what sort of songs are trending um, it helped a lot to have a sister who does a lot of video work and and pays attention like oh that's a terrible angle I was like what do angles matter like like I play sports <laughs> I like to do very strict sort of I, I don't know it's I don't, I don't pay attention to all the uh the outside stuff for me it's really what's what's coming across the page like I don't but I when you're catering to the masses in that sort of sense it's a very big uh attention grabber for most people and you really only have that split second to for somebody to say hey I want to check out his music besides just seeing your face or and the, the opposite too sometimes people see the face or they hear it and then they want to see what you look like. And I still remember playing a show where there was a, a group of Asian tourists all with their cameras looking at me. And I'm like, this is cool. Like not many Asian people at country music stuff. And then I started singing a country cover and they were blown away because they didn't expect it just from seeing my face. And it's always stuff like that that makes you, that makes me realize like, yeah, you always have to consider how somebody else perceives it. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like you can put out something with one intention or one interpretation. That's just art in general, right? And then it's received completely differently so there's so many different angles to look at like you're saying like coming from a background of like sports and business and doing moving through like the art field or art industry it's like it's very very different um mm -hmm. but i know that 
like we were like you were saying in the intake form there really is like a lot more going on behind the scenes of the industry like it's it's fun and exciting to be a country music artist and like posting funny videos and making great music but what is like the other side that like the public doesn't really get to see that's maybe not so glamorous i guess the first thing that comes to mind and it was when i was in this old band uh one of the one of the drummers that was with us before and he was much older he'd been around the scene for 20 30 years and he always said this phrase that me and my cousin would laugh about like after because like we would we would take it lightheartedly it wasn't serious to us uh not laughing at what he was saying but laughing at the connotation that he would always say that the music industry is cutthroat it's so cutthroat and he would say it with like this fire and i didn't really get it because i'd never I'd never been on the other end of that stick before. So when I kind of started to experience that it was cutthroat and predatory in the sense of it's a business, uh, there's a bottom line, and the public only gets to see the final perfect product and something that's been airbrushed and photoshopped and tuned on every single amount of software for music-wise you can imagine, all the bells and whistles, and then even the personalities that come across are very much guided. Uh, speaking for myself and only myself, this is the first, uh, I guess, public sort of interview, speaking, blog, any sort of coverage I've ever done has always been uh, guided in a sense of they they ask you a question that you're just supposed to hit out of the park every time they line you up for it. Oh, what's your next thing? Oh, this is my next single. Oh, what how young were you when you started music how did you do this how did you do that and it's all a very much uh run-of-the-mill type of conversation it's never it's never anything insightful and it's never anything that's really opinion-based it's always just uh they ask you a question where they already know what they want to hear the answer i did a uh not i did but leafs tv did like a mini documentary on uh on me they came across one of my one of my videos were like you're saying just these little I don't, creatively goofy videos of me playing uh hockey in my kitchen and they wanted to use it for commercials and then they said hey would you like to do a a little piece about it because they then they found out that i was a very i am a very big leafs fan i'm a diehard leafs fan and they came and we did this whole day-long shoot like I don't know how many hours we spent and it was like the most painstaking interview process of my life because they did me for a while, my my family, uh, my mom and dad's part and my sister. That was really funny. But I and watching their playback, it was interesting because they've never been on camera or grilled like that. And they were all so starstruck by the lights, I guess, even though it was in our own house. So you're in your own environment and all that. But for that sort of uh, mini documentary where it's supposed to be something that's uh, th that shows who I am. I would answer a question and then they would give me, they would answer, they would ask me the same question again. And I would say basically the same answer. Then they'd ask me the same question again and I would give the same answer. And then every time I would just say, okay, so what exactly would you like me to say? How would you like me to say it? And after I would, I think we spoke for about two or three hours, just same questions again and again. And after the first like 40 minutes, I was like, okay, just, just give me the line. <laughs> like I've done, I've done acting before. I've been on all sorts of stuff like that. I sing songs where the lines are given to you. So let me know what you want me to say, but all sorts of radio interviews like that are the same. Uh, any, any press type of deal you see on TV for all that is, 
you're very much coached and you have to understand at the same time if you have investors in you and, and you're being run as a business as a as a product or service but that's you other people are always going to want to have some sort of assurance that their product or service will remain profitable and successful for them so people have this idea that they need to keep you in some sort of line no i was just gonna say like that's such like a mind fuck like it's almost like where's does where's where do you draw the line on freedom of speech but like i understand like i come from a family business so i understand that at the end of the day some things are a business but it's so like foreign to me and to a lot of people like you're saying like to the public like this is not stuff that people know and i come from a background in production like through going through school and stuff so i understand the concepts but it is just so like dehumanizing it's extremely dehumanizing and I, I used to be I guess when I started I was all for it like I knew okay if I want to be a commercially successful product I knew right away act like this speak like this don't post this type of stuff post that type of stuff and something that really uh, really I guess irked me was in the past year in the in the country music scene uh, another artist that I'm not I've I never personally met but you also have to understand the music business. There might be like 50 to 100 musicians, probably smaller, that play for every single genre of the major label artists you know. And even in the country scene, there's it's such a small, it's it's a, it's such a small circle and a small group of people that are in the same sort of league, I guess you would call it, for sports, like it's a league or whatever. Uh, and there was another artist that was on the same circuit as me, and I had I. He, he had passed away in, in the past few months and I right away I knew that all these sort of uh, organizations, uh, the provincial organization and the national organization for country music in Canada, I'm not going to call them out by name because I'll do that one day when I'm big enough and just put it right in their face, but I knew that they wouldn't do any sort of memoriam or honor him in any way. And this is somebody who had been in the scene for way longer than I have. Uh, been around the scene way longer than I have and was very much immersed in it. Like the, I, 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 I knew so much about this guy and I'd never even met him just because of all the people I played with and seeing him doing all this sort of stuff and to see, and to see zero response is like you were saying, it's, it's as if he wasn't even a human being. And I have seen other artists who have also had tragedies and unfortunate things happen to them or their family where where the organization responds and they put on events and galas and they do in memoriam type tributes and for me as a human and as a person on this planet like there's you can't cross that line where so-and-so is worth more because they're signed to a label and so-and-so's life wasn't worth the same amount of respect or and to and like i had known this for many years I understood that this is the way that like this business works, but for something like that to to unravel in front of my eyes, it made me realize like God forbid something were to happen to me or anyone that I care about, knowing that this group and organization that's supposed to be there to foster and grow the community is really just the same as the rest of it. It's a bottom line type business deal, and if I'm not famous, they're not going to care about it or or do anything. It made me realize that you. You can't rely on any of these sort of uh, chains of command, and I'm 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 always going to be open to working with the industry because I know that uh, if I want to achieve these sorts of goals I have for my career, 
that I will require some sort of connections and resources. Uh, it's not completely closed off that there aren't ways around it, but I realize that I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with the industry and I'm very willing to work with the industry, but I'll, I'll never work a day in my life for them because if I wanted to work for someone, I would have become an accountant or a lawyer like I went to school for. And the thing is, I would be making more money too doing those things. I would be making a guaranteed salary that's worth more than, as far as Canadian country goes, the pay isn't as high as people might think. So to think that I'd be making more money doing a job working for someone, I would rather make less and do something that I, I want to do. And I wake up every day and I'm happy to do it. And it's something that's enjoyable to do. I was going to ask, because we've now gone from like, you're an athlete, you're a country music artist and you went to school to be an accountant like that is <laughs> so wild like that is such like a, a a cluster of three like separate personalities all thrown into one but i think that like because you come come from so many different angles it's maybe not easier but it it comes more naturally to you to understand the different sides of like an industry like that and that's it was did the reason they not do a mem like a memorial thing for him because he wasn't signed or he wasn't famous enough? Uh, I can't answer that because I don't, I'm not part of those, but the reasoning, the rationale behind it is, is if you're not worth the coverage when you're alive, I guess, why are you worth it when you're gone? And that's something that just makes me sick to my stomach to think that I will have to shake people's hands and, and, and get along with all these sorts of people that at the end of the day are really not in it because they they care or believe in you. They care or believe in the revenue stream coming in from what you can do. It's all dollar signs at the end of the day. And like, and I constantly go back and forth. I'm like, that's so upsetting. But then I'm like, but it makes sense. Like, it's so like, there's hard to like find that line of like what feels appropriate and what feels uh, like I was saying, like completely dehumanizing. Yeah, it's because there's so much money at stake if if it really wasn't, if there wasn't money on the line for all sorts of different labels, publishing groups, booking agents, and all that. Uh, music would be based much more on merit, but one thing I learned right away is I'm further ahead than a lot of people that are way more talented than I'll ever be. And I'm also way below people that have zero talent. And that's not, be and like, that's right away the clear differentiator is that it's not the talent or the skill if it was talent or skill, I'm telling you this, anyone who's on The Voice or America's Got Talent or any of those things, there would be like they would all be superstars because you you watch them perform and you listen and they're incredible. But if they're all not superstars, it, it kind of shows you that it's something else going on. But the average person doesn't really consider that or think about it. And, and why would they? Uh, why would I? I would have never thought about why certain things roll in place in this industry until you're a part of it and as long as long as i would hope some artists would come across this and listen to it and hear it and because like you just said i maybe i don't excel in just this in just sports and just music or just like the business sense but having a bigger peer like having the bigger picture come clearer for anybody is always benefit for sure i was gonna ask you about like Maybe like what kind of advice would you give someone that is interested in going through the industry route or is kind of at, at a conflict at like that hasn't really dived in too deep about it yet? What would your like best advice be to someone looking to like navigate that field? 
I guess the I guess the most valuable sort of skill anyone can have, and it's not just for music, it's really anything to do with, and I guess not even just entertainment, because I could say the same thing for sports. Uh, it's really anything in life if you are uh, painstakingly humble, if you are willing to be, the more self-aware you are of your own abilities and performance, the the more you can, the faster you can speed up your learning process and make that time where you're growing more efficient and effective. Because if you know you're terrible at A skill and you're great at B skill, you can start working on A skill right away. And a lot of people, uh, because it's a personal type of service and product and all that, when you when you're looking at it from that perspective, a lot of people are, I guess, nervous or apprehensive to admit where they're where they lack skill and the first thing i always did when, was when i walked into studios i said tell me if if you say that that was perfect i'll never come in here again and my producer looked at me like with a weird eye because every producer and engineer and all that they're taught when they're working in studios to never comment on stuff because you're just not supposed to make any sort of comments it's just a very professional thing to do especially not tell them that they're terrible but for me and my sort of, I don't know, it's just the way I like growing up playing sports. It's a very like do it, do it better, work harder, that sort of thing. And if you're doing something wrong, they're going to blow a whistle and you're going to do it again and they're going to scream at you until you get it right. And that's like, I don't know, that's the way I personally learn. But I guess the transferable skill would be to go in always wanting to learn. And I think the biggest, the fastest way that I grew as an artist was trying to pick from everyone's brain that I came in contact, whether you were a guitar player or a piano player or a studio engineer, or you're a sound tech at a festival, I would always ask as many questions as I could, because the more that you understand from the bigger picture, the more hats you wear, the better off you'll be overall. Even if you don't know how to, even if I don't know how to mix on the console, I could kind of get around with telling someone who has an idea of sound how to to get the sounds I'm looking for. Even if I don't play piano, at least I could work around some of the chords. And it's just the more that you're aware of, and this comes to the business and marketing and management side too, that's a huge part of doing anything uh, in the music industry. And that's why if you understand how it's working, you might not have to actually physically do it yourself or know the inner workings of it, but understanding what's going on beyond just the song that you hear on Spotify on the playlist is so much more valuable and failing failing at, at all these different things is literally the most valuable thing I could have ever done because you set yourself up to fail and acknowledge that you failed big time and then you can make sure it never happens again and I say that to other artists and they look at me like what do you mean never happens again and I realize like it's my competitive nature I'll never do a performance or put out a song where I'm like oh, it was perfect. I'm so happy. I can't wait to show you. It's more like I heard that one thing that I fucked up bad. I'm going to fix it. And I hope no one hears it because <laughs> like the next time I will do it perfectly. And if you're holding yourself to that sort of standard, you're always going to be improving. And as long as you realize that failing is just the fastest way to learn and people don't want to fail when it's themselves involved because it's like a very it's an it's it's almost embarrassing in a way if you're not where you're trying to get when it's when the product and service is you and that's just the way that it is
Yeah, and I feel like society teaches us that, like, failure, maybe not even society, we're just grown up who, you know, failure is, is seen as this, like, dark, scary thing that we should be afraid of and, like, it shouldn't happen, whereas, like, the complete opposite is true, is, like, I put, just posted something the other day that said, like, fail forward. And it took me, it took me a long time, like, to do the same thing. I was always afraid to fail. Who, who the fuck wasn't afraid to fail? But at a certain point, you have to realize, like, there's no other way around, around it. If you want to be successful, you're going to have to fail. So you might as well get comfortable in feeling that way. No, definitely. Definitely. That's for anything in all walks of life. Failure is always the quickest way to improving and people are scared (laughs) because they, they think that, oh, they'll think this of me or or it's not it doesn't look good to to be failing at something that you're trying at but really that's the only like nobody woke up and was able to play that guitar solo that you that you watched on stage like it just doesn't happen and you have to realize that's for every sort of skill and talent in the world no one just woke up like that they had to work at it and i was just um i, I was just thinking about like the art industry not even just music but necessarily any art form i always heard like going through school is that at the end of the day, when you you know you become an artist when you just abandon it. Like at a certain point, you know it's like you're saying it's never going to be perfect. And at a certain point, you just have to walk away knowing that we're like that one was good enough, and we'll try better next time, and we'll keep going. Like there's no point in like you can't listen to that song endless amount of times and never post it. Like you have to eventually <laughs> abandon your child and let it go and let the world have it, and then move on to the next project. That's very true. If there's anything for any musician who's ever listening, just put out your music. <laughs> You'll always have more songs to put out. I want to talk about your art. And now that you're doing more than covers, you're writing. Do you write all your own music? Do you do a little bit of both? What is like, what's that process look like? It's a very good question. Um, I write a lot of music. I don't always record only my music. Uh one thing that a lot of people, I guess, wouldn't really know about the music industry is that all of the songs you hear, I would say if there's a top 40 chart or Billboard 100, there might only be like 30 writers that write everybody's stuff. Uh, that's why it's all so good. <laughs> it, like, it makes sense, right? That like the best writers are writing the best tunes. Um, I kind of, I, I was, I didn't really understand that when I started doing music. I didn't even know that, uh, being a songwriter for other people is like an actual profession and career. Uh, so a lot of the songs I started to put out when I was just getting, I, I put out my own EP a while ago uh, when I was really just brand new to music, had no idea what I was doing. And then in the past, I guess, few years now, I've put out maybe 9, 10, 11 singles or something like that. And then just recently a couple uh, EPs uh, and those songs were songs I wrote from the songs before that. It was a mix and match. Uh, and that was because I was spending time writing and I wanted to get lots of music out in the meanwhile. And luckily my producer has a lot of different writing friends that he writes with and co-writes with, uh, and also people that he hasn't written with, but people will pitch him songs because he works with a lot of different artists. So I've listened to I guess in the past couple of years, maybe three to 500 different songs. Yeah, there's tons of songs out there that people are just waiting for others to record. And I picked ones that I felt I would like to listen to and ones that I connected with. And it's weird because now I, I really want to be, I, I want to at least be a co-writer on every sort of tune that I put out because it means more to me now. But at the same time, 
uh, one of the songs that I just happened to record for somebody else got me a little cameo spot in a Netflix movie. And that's my first like major sync placement. It was the first cameo appearance for me to be on screen for something. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't record this song that I probably would have never wrote because it's not something that's in my sort of wheelhouse. So it's interesting to see that something like that for someone else's art that I get to put out there and recreate in my own sort of, I, I get to shape the sound how I want it to sound, but some, it's somebody else's words. It's a really cool combination because the creativity matching up when you don't really know how the final product will sound is very interesting. And it worked for this movie. And it, I mean, I guess some people like it. So as long as, as long as people are happy with the final product, I'm happy too. And, uh, but definitely from, from here on out, all the, all the songs I'm going to be putting out are ones that I've had a hand in. I mean, it's not to say that I wouldn't record a song if John Mayer says, Hey dude, I wrote you this song. Like, and then I hear it and I'm like, this is the greatest song of all time. It's not that I wouldn't record it. It's just that now I find myself spending more time writing and, I, I guess I was, I've been writing for a long time, not always songs, uh, just, uh, I guess, eloquent poetry in a way, or prose, or songs too, but without the melody, and I've, I've come to grow into my own sort of form of expression that I want people to read, or sing, or feel, and connect with for themselves, as opposed to when I just started, you, you're just trying to rhyme a word with another word. And now, I guess after so many years of doing it, you kind of find your own way of expressing in the same English language as you were before, but you get across a different point. Yeah, exactly. I, okay, you can't just throw in that you just casually are going to be in a movie that's on Netflix. <laughs> well, now, <laughs> for most pe for people in this industry, a lot of them have that sort of exposure. For me, it's one of the coolest opportunities I've had in a long time. So, Tell me yeah. about, like, what's the movie once it come out? Like, that's so rad. So the movie, I believe the movie will be out very shortly on uh, platforms like Amazon and I don't know, but stuff like Hulu and uh, I think iTunes even. Like I, I, I really don't consume my movies that way, but it'll be on Netflix and streaming services, which most people are on these days uh, for the summer. Fingers crossed because it's supposed to line up with uh, the Olympics, which if the Olympics are up in the air now, I'm not so sure if they're going to hold off on it or if, they, but I know that it's still going to be out this year. They just, a lot of the promo for the movie originally was it, this, the story for the movie is based around gymnastics and it's based on a true life story of a, an American gymnast who leaves her school team to compete for the, for the national Olympic team. So naturally they wanted to have all the sort of press coverage leading up to the Olympics and have it on. Uh, I, I think there was already an NBC sort of little feature on it where the girl's from. And I know that they wanted to tie in all of the promo right up to the summer, right as the Olympics were happening. So I would imagine as a business person, they're waiting to hear on what's happening. But uh, I know that the movie will be going out on Netflix this year. And it's I think it'll be out in the next month or so on. Check, check those weird platforms that I don't look at because it might be there. I have to ask, where does a country artist come in? Like, where does your song come in playing with like the gymnast movie? Okay, so the gymnast movie, I guess the best way to describe it is it's uh, a mix of dancing and gymnastics. It's basically a cross of two shows I would never watch, like Glee and High School Musical, like that sort of thing, where 
where they, yeah, where there's a plot going on, but then they just break out into song and dance. But this one, the, the plot's going on, and then there's a lot of involvement with the actual gymnastics because that's the main plot of the movie. But then dancing is kind of the the secondary foil to the gymnastics, and it's just random breakdance battles. And honestly, I got to be on set for a couple extra days, and watching some of the things that these people do with their bodies made me realize I can't even, like, touch my toes and I can't even like somersault and they're flipping and spinning on their heads. And I, I'm not that, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of watching different dance types of styles, but they had the theater scene where my part came in, I guess, where they have uh, four different performances and each performance is a different style and genre of dance. I'm not sure how you would classify it. And mine was the country one where I had some country uh, themed girls doing a line dance and the other one, one of them was a breakdancing one, one of them was an interpretive dance one, and the other was a ballet sort of thing. And getting to watch the other the other dancers and performers do their thing was so cool for me because I don't ever get to see any of that stuff. And I'm sure when they saw mine, they were like, what the hell is this guy doing here? The only guy with an instrument on stage. But uh, it was definitely interesting to see how I this song about girls liking to dance ends up fitting perfectly for a movie where girls are out dancing in every single scene. Okay, so you did you have that song prior to the movie? Yeah, the song the song I released in January of 2019 and I wasn't asked until July or June of 2019 uh just as do you have any songs that could fit this sort of uh this concept for a movie and I was like you know what? None of them, like legitimately none of my songs would fit that, except I have one and the title is Girls Like to Dance. He's like, it's a dancing gymnastics movie. He's like, check this one out. He's like, oh, this is perfect. It could fit right in here. And at the end of the movie too, they do a whole, uh, like, I guess finale type thing where all the characters come together and it's woo. Yeah. End of story. And then they all do the same dance that they did in the theater for my dance. Like the whole cast comes together and does it. And if you're watching really closely, you'll see me backpedaling out as fast as I could. No, cause I can't do it. <laughs> I couldn't remember all the moves. I walk in there and it's all these dancers and they're like, can you dance? I was like, I can dance. Like, yeah, I can dance. They're running through the choreography and I'm like, somebody's going to have to video this in slow motion and I need like extra lessons for a week before I can do it. But that's the thing, getting to appreciate how quickly these dancers and choreographers pick it up and learn it. And and then they just do it right there on camera. And I'm like, I'm trying to slink out through the back and be as small as I can so that you can't see me not doing it. Uh, Okay, so... (laughs) Did they contact, because you say you have a producer, did they contact you direct? I want to know, like, the behind the scenes, like, did they just, like, find you on Instagram and they're like, we're going to ask this kid for his music? Or, like, is it through your producer, through an agent? Like, So I, I wish there was a really good story for it, but I guess it really does prove the point that doing anything in entertainment, uh, it's opposite from sports. It's In sports, you can't deny if someone is so good at something, it's if they can perform X task and it makes this amount of money for that team or whatever, they're, they're going to sign you. It doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person or anything else. It's if you can do that, they'll, they'll bring you in in music. And I would imagine the same for acting and all sorts of stuff like dancing too. Uh, it's, it's more who, you know, than what you know. And it's the same if you're trying to get a job at Walmart these days, or you want to get a job at Tim Hortons or McDonald's, the person who knows someone that works there is going to have the resume on top of yours, no matter which way about it. Is that fair? No, it's just the way that uh, the nature of life and 
all sorts of business works. So for me, this was through a contact uh, that was a, a good friend of my dad's, and I'd actually been on one of his programs. He had run a couple television shows. Uh, it was almost like a knockoff Barney type deal where there's a, a couple dinosaurs in the same set, and it's like rotating kids doing song and dance. And I did that when I was maybe like six, seven, or eight. And it was like the it was like the funniest thing looking back on it now that it was like a a knockoff knockoff Barney is the best way I could describe it. You have but, uh, to send me that footage. I need to see I, this. <laughs> I think I buried it, but if we if I can find it, yeah, well, I'll definitely have to bring that out one day. I'm gonna put it on my Instagram and be like, "This is the, my next guest on the <laughs> podcast." <laughs> my youngest guest ever on the podcast had to have his mom speak for him. Yeah, so it was it was a contact that I had uh, known from a while back, uh, and he's very, very generous because he understands that any sort of way that he could work me in would only be beneficial for getting my face out there. Uh, it was just the fact that I had always told him, because he had asked me in the past about other sort of, he's he's done a, quite, a, quite a few handful of movies and uh, television series now, and he's, he'd always ask, do you have anything that fits? And every time I said like literally nothing that I've recorded fits what you're looking for. And then just, just by chance, he was here in, in, uh, up in Muskoka with us this summer. And he just happened to ask, Hey, any, anything that works for a dance movie? And I was like, I've got one song, one chance. And he heard it and was like, you know what? It's cool. I actually showed him the video that we shot for it at the Eaton center. Uh, it, we did it. I did it with my, my buddy, Matt Teed in public and we basically just had my sister film us from a really far distance, and we ran around the mall like a bunch of morons, singing out loud, screaming, and sliding on our knees, and just doing it all for the reactions of the people around us. And you know what? It was, it was definitely nerve-wracking doing it like in public, and people are like, "These guys are crazy! Like, what's wrong with them?" Especially because you can't see that someone's filming, and that some people are just very freaked out. But getting and doing all sorts of stuff like that for a song like this it's really cool to see how it's all played out over the past year. When I, when I just spur of the moment, actually in about two weeks time, I decided, Hey, let's record this song. I want to record it with my buddy and we're going to put it out. Usually I sit on a song for a year or two years as we're working through it and polishing it up. And this was like a two week process. We put it out, we shot the video and then lo and behold, later on that year, a really cool opportunity came up for it. One of the coolest that's come along so far. And now you might catch me on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like we went from the most low-budget production to, whoa, there's like a whole camera crew and like a cast and extras and people that are like clapping along to the song and learning a dance. Yeah, I'm thinking like, you know what? The people in the mall that were like looking at us and like some of them had actually started filming us because they're like, look at these like nut jobs because you can't tell that someone's filming from across the other side of the mall. But uh, it was fun. It's all been fun. I want to ask you a little bit about what you wrote in the intake form about, uh, if I don't mess my words up, external validation versus internal contentment. What has that, we're going to go from really exciting, like dance movies. And I'm going to like ask you a really deep question, yeah. <laughs> energy shift. Um, but like the whole point of Lemon Souls to talk about the things that we're, that we struggle with and you know, how we come through on the other side. So I'd love to know like kind of the deeper stuff about what have you struggled with in terms of, especially being online and on social media? Like that shit's hard like to do what you do. And it's not, 
it's not as always as easy as it looks. Like you're, you literally just said like you're running through the mall like an idiot, but you were like so nervous to do it. You know what I mean? It's something that I've been like, yeah, that guy is really comfortable with himself because he's just like, he can just go out and do that. But people don't always see like what's on the other side. The biggest, I guess, thing that most people miss is that just because you see someone's persona doesn't mean you that you know the person at all. Uh, I don't know why this comes to mind right now, but I've met a lot of people who are like popping off like crazy on social media and online and they, they, they have this big audience and all that. And when you meet them in real life, they're like the most boring person you could ever find or come across. And my entire life, I've spent time with tons of friends and none of us were on social media. And those are the people that are popping off in real life and like they're fun to be around and it's interesting and engaging and it's real. There's stuff happening and it's a huge disconnect nowadays where you see you're seeing what's curated and what's designed to capture your attention as opposed to something that you organically connect with and that's a there's a huge i don't know it's it's people lose that connection when you see what you want to see as opposed to what's really there uh in terms of external validation and internal contentment i guess the biggest draw from that is that doing the online stuff you'd be lying to yourself if you're trying to not grow your platform because that's the whole the whole reason everybody is on these platforms is to share some sort of side of them that they want others to see uh obviously everyone's end goal isn't the same not everybody's on there to post selfies and get a million followers but if you're doing a product or service and it's music or dance or anything like that even if it's comedy uh i've seen a lot of people get they've popped they've got they've blown up with comedy stuff online and in real life they're not funny and it's it's a very big mind fuck really when you see that people aren't funny but you see all the stuff that they've spent so many hours curating together and then one of my one of my good cousin's uncles is like hilarious like he doesn't post anything online or anything and it's just lately in, in quarantine he's been posting on his daughter's thing and every single video i see is him just around the house bored as shit but everything he posts is comedic gold and a lot of people don't understand that you don't have to be validated by anyone and you also don't have to be validated by the internet community for others or for yourself to be happy with what you're doing uh you could put like a video that gets posted of me singing a cover that I sing extremely well can get 10 likes or 10,000 likes. And as long as I understand that that like the numbers don't matter, it's the, it's the impact that really matters. And it's, it's, it's everybody finds themselves comparing and it's all relative because you see the superstars producing at whatever level that they're getting uh, their content out there. And you want to do the same because uh, at the end of the day, there is only a top 40 chart. It's not a top 40,000 chart. So not everybody gets to be on it. So you have to understand that as much as people, uh, and then the narrative is, is that everybody in the music community is friends and la di da di da and everybody wants to help each other. But at the end of the day, it's like, if it did operate that way, how come there isn't a hot 3000 chart and everybody gets a spot? It's, it's top 40, it's top 100 and they knock you off because you, it's a competition at the end of the day. Don't get me wrong, there are tons of people that I come across in the music 
business, uh, not just artists and not just uh, like musicians, but there are tons of great people in the music industry. There are way more people <laughs> that aren't in it for the right reasons or who am I to say what the right reasons are? Yeah, say like any given industry, right? Like that's just part of like any process in any industry is like you're going to have the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's just a matter of what percentage lies where. <laughs> Definitely. It's just a very heightened divider between these sorts of people because the music, the music world is that small. And it's that, like I said at the very beginning, it's that cutthroat and competitive between everybody. It's just the, the nature of the beast. But as long as you understand that you're making a difference for yourself or for other people or you're connecting with other people, it's shifted my whole perspective in a way from I started off doing this and I was like, I'm going to play the most shows. I'm going to have the most followers. I'm going to get the most streams. I'm going to I'm going to do everything bigger and better than everyone else. And as I've as I've been in it longer, I guess, and as I've grown as an artist myself, I've come to realize like it's not about me competing with others and it's not even about me competing with myself. It's about making a, a real connection because I come across songs and videos of other people performing their art and it really gives me like goosebumps. Like I get shivers and you feel it's it's an organic wavelength that you feel from your heart or your brain or if you're had if you're had if you're sad or happy or anything like that you can really connect with someone and it, and to me it doesn't matter anymore cuz when you're looking on YouTube or when you're looking on Spotify the first thing anyone naturally does is goes to the most viewed thing or the most liked thing but i've come across so many different songs and so many different artists that don't have those numbers but I connect with on a completely soulful level compared to the garbage that's at the very front page. Well, and that's like, and that's what I said at the beginning of the episode is like, that's why I wanted to talk to you and get to know more about you because it, it feels very genuine. And I think when it comes down to it, like maybe it's just me, but like, that is what I'm, that's why I want to look for when I listen to someone. You, It is that connection that reigns so much more important than like, the numbers of how many people are following you or the numbers of how many likes are on your video. Like it doesn't matter at the end of the day, if you're a good person and I'm like, I can connect with you, whether it's through your music, through your TikTok videos, whatever it is, that's way more important, especially in the long run than some short-term, you know, success to blow up 2 million views. And then no one ever sees you again anyways. <laughs> right. It's like, it's the, it, there's a huge difference there. Um, and I think you do it really well. Um, and we were, t we had been talking um, when we first like connected about authentic authenticity and being honest online. Um, and I've seen you post even just recently, you post all the time about like just real life and how it's not all glamorous and just, being a normal human being. And I think our generation, our generation, whatever, within 10 years, give or take, people that use the internet, like, want that. They want to see that. I, I more and more, anytime I post about, like, something authentic or that I fucked up on something or, like, a picture of me with no makeup on, that's when I get the most comments. That's when I get people that want to share their story. That's when you see the people that want to make a connection. I definitely agree with you. The more the more true to real life you can share with others, the more that others will relate and connect with it. And it's definitely true. The more that I, I, the more that I share about how my life really is, maybe it doesn't spread as far. Maybe it doesn't get as many likes or as many views or, or any of that stuff. But 
the people that actually connect with it will comment or DM me and we'll have an actual conversation. And it's, and that to me, getting 10 or 15 or 20 people that I, I made them think about something or I made them reconsider something or they made me reconsider something is always going to be something that leaves a lasting connection and impact with me as opposed to having the videos that blow up, but there's really no sustenance to them. And it's just content as opposed to being real. And a lot of the stuff that I started doing was all about having good content to put out so that people would see it. And I really don't as much prioritize that anymore as opposed to putting out stuff that real people would like to see. That's a good word is about like prioritizing. Cause I was just going to ask you, cause I feel the same way about like, I can be very authentic and I can be as real as possible online, but no matter, like, no matter how much you try, there is always going to be a level of it being curated, whether it's a photo or like a 30 second clip, like it's, it's art, it's content, no matter what, at the end of the day, I can be as real as I want online and I can be authentic as I want online, but you'll never see like everyone's all sides of like whoever you're following on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Unless it's live. <laughs> but even that, well, I guess like live's not edited, but like yeah. you can still play your persona when you're live. Yes. And I feel like that sometimes when I go live and I am, I'm a, I'm a naturally very like bubbly and like, I like to talk and I'm very animated, but then like the live shuts off and I'm like, <sighs> and like, then I like have that switch of like, that was exhausting. And then I'm like, was that my persona or was that me? Now I can't tell. <laughs> and like, it's constantly navigating, like making sure that it's as real as possible. But just because, you know, when my live is on, I'm like, hey guys, what's up? And then I'm off and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I, I would do that in person too, right? Like when you go out yeah. to a bar and you're out with friends, like it's this, I have to remind myself that it there's like the same level of everyone has an on and an off and it's, that's okay as well. <laughs> I think the biggest thing for most people is you shouldn't be afraid to just be whatever creative outlet that you naturally are, uh, whether or not you think you fit what other people want to see. It's like eventually you will find or people will find you. Uh, and that's not to say that everybody wants to be found or discovered and all that, but I feel the more that I'm true to myself and the more that I've... Uh, I guess admitted my own like people want to see you succeeding and winning and and constantly progressing and the more that I've come to admit publicly that I've failed multiple times and uh, not only have I failed but I've failed spectacularly <laughs> in lots of different areas or I didn't necessarily keep up the appearance that oh he's he did this opening gig. Oh, he's playing this festival. Oh, he has these numbers here. Oh, he's, he's he has these numbers online. He has these numbers on his catalog. Uh, the more that I'm coming to accept the fact that I don't want to keep up this sort of uh, constantly su succeeding and progressing through the industry type of facade that everybody puts on because it's a good marketing sort of it just attracts people to to want to follow you and want to support you and want to believe in you. Uh, the more that I, the more that I publicly admit I'm just a regular person like everybody else. I I'm not always. I try to be funny all the time, but I'm not always funny. I'm not always smiling and happy. I'm not always 
everything you see that you would imagine, even something like, I guess it's funny now thinking about when I started music, people were like, oh, he's a ladies man. He like, he sleeps around. I was like, I wit. I was like, first of all, I was like, what? And two, I was like, yeah, maybe in your dreams, not in mine, not in real life for me. It's, I don't know, like just stuff like that, that people perceive about you. Uh, all of it really doesn't, it really doesn't do you any good to worry about what anyone else will think or perceive from you because people that people that believe or value in you from the start, you'll never have to prove anything to them. It's just something that I've come to learn over the years. Uh, the people that liked me for me and love me for me don't care about any of the, the successful progression that the rest of the world cares to see. And I just hope that people understand that about themselves that none of that matters as long as you and your circle are happy and you can be real within your own circle whether or not you want to play some sort of character online or or play some sort of character in real life there are plenty of people that do that too and it's just part of their shtick but as long as you understand that being real is the for me it's the the only way for me to be internally content with myself is to express to these other people that I'm not perfect. I'm not, uh, I, I, you spend a lot of time curating your content for people to want <laughs> to be either attracted or connected or impacted or any of these things with you. And really, I just realized like, I just want people to, to either love me or hate me or just feel whatever it is passionately about me, but at least it's the real me. And that's something that like I can live with, like whether you hate me for, for <laughs> being ridiculous or you hate me for not posting more covers or you hate me for posting covers, you hate my funny content that I think is funny and you don't find it funny. At least the people that are engaging with it are, are getting a taste of what I actually am as opposed to something that I'm really not yeah, where they say that that famous quote is like, "I'd rather be, I'd rather be loved for who I am." Or no, what is it? I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. Something like that. Yeah, exactly like that. I'd rather you love me like crazy or don't love me at all. Like that's totally fine. <laughs> it's a limited amount of time, and I feel like with this quarantine going on, everybody will realize it, and I hope that it lasts because it's something that I've been struggling with for the past few years, coming to actually accept it that time is always running out money and all these things that we, everybody worries about day to day toilet paper and money and all this crap <laughs> it'll all circle around and when you run out there's always going to be more coming time is something that just ticks away every day and like spend it and prioritize it and think about how you're spending your time more than you worry about all these other things because they don't matter it's the time that you have with people that matter it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. It's, it is, it comes down, like you're saying, to that connection, to that relation, ooh, to that relationship that you have, whether it, you know, fam online, offline, whatever it is, it's the people that you surround yourself with. So what I do at the end of every episode or like the last, I don't know, six episodes anyways, that I started doing this. So I have a list of 365 questions, one for every day of the year. Um, so I want you to give me a number and I don't know what I'm about to ask you. And some of them are really deep and some of them are pretty surface level. But give me a number and I'm just going to ask you a random question. Eight. Ooh, just, <laughs> just a little baby number. A little number. What do you love and what are you doing about it? What do I love? I love music. <laughs> I love 
Uh, I don't know. I guess a more open-ended answer is everything that I do love, I'm trying to go about it in the most real and true sense to myself. Just from, from music to finding real love to real love is an, another human <laughs> i have love for music and other and people too it's i used to i don't know i i guess i've grown to love my friends and it's it's a love and love my family and love all these sorts of things that you don't really appreciate as much until you've grown up almost like when it's too late you finally realize how good you had it and how much you should have appreciated it I guess I've come to learn to love all of that because now it's something that I want to reciprocate for others uh, as best as I can. And I know the question is like, what do you love? <laughs> but it's more of, uh, I guess I've realized as I've grown up how I want to love other people. And it's not always about loving others the way that you want to be loved or the way that you want to be appreciated, but it's the way that they receive love and the way that they want to to feel connected to and feel appreciated is it's really not about you and it's way more about them it's like the the golden rule is you treat other people how you want to be treated but it's really not that it's i think someone said it's like the platinum rule <laughs> like you treat other people how they want to be treated and it's just, it goes a long way for for anyone in any walk of life to to act like that is something that i value in other people and if it's a character trait or quality that i seeing others that i value it's something that i want to be more of to others as a way of showing like i i'm paying attention i care maybe i do it in a sarcastic manner or maybe i maybe i pick out the little flaws or things just but that's my way of showing like i'm paying a lot of attention and that's my way of affection is being a sarcastic asshole I am like the number one preacher. Like if I have like friends they've I've been friends with for like five days, I'm like, I love you. I'm always telling people how much I love them. And I think people think it's weird, um, but it's it comes from a genuine place. If you've moved me and like it, there's so many different types of love, like you were saying, like friends and your family. I've gotten, I was a group of friends like years ago that every time I left like a hangout, I'd be like, love you guys. And they would never say it back. And then like, <laughs> you know, months down the road, everyone's like, love you, love you, love you. And I was like, yes, like that's the kind of energy that I just want to have in my life forever. But it, it's, I don't know, this generation, this era, whatever you want to call it, it's a, a little, I feel like maybe love has always been tough to navigate, but it is, it's just like, it's hard to navigate because we feel like, I feel so disconnected. It's funny because we're connected online, but so disconnected online that when you meet someone in person and you want to actually have like real emotions and like actually want to have an in-depth conversation, it like scare. It's scary for people, and I feel that I find that more than than not. It's um, a lot of people get intimidated or feel that it's too intense to talk about something that's real, which I find very strange because what else do you do with real feelings and emotions besides share them with other people? Yeah, but the, and at that point, it's like, then I feel like, okay, am I being too much? And then I'm like, okay, wait, should I not feel this way? I, and I just posted today about something about like, I love being like very straightforward and very honest because someday you could get hit by a bus and not have the opportunity to say what you needed to say or feel the way that you need to feel. And it's like, you you only have, like you were saying, you only have so much time, time is, is running out. So I don't, this is a really long rant from the question that we got from. <laughs> seriously you should do those things like tell people you love them and 
when I was younger, I used to hate having to like go to my great grandmother's, like not hate it, but it was like an annoying process of like, oh, like go see her, say hi, hug her and this and that. And the more you realize how precious everyone's time on this planet is, the more you do want to. I like I don't shake people's hands anymore even if I'm meeting you the first time I'll just like hug you and some people are like dude why the fuck are you hugging me like girls or guys it doesn't matter some guys are like why is this guy hugging me and some girls are like why is this guy hugging me like we're not a thing and I'm like I don't want to be a thing it's just it's my way of showing like I appreciate you being someone in my world that I can trust and talk to and I value and appreciate you and it's kind of like the first time that we just randomly spoke I knew right away you were someone that I could open up to and not be like, oh, like, this is way too intense. Like, this guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> He's intimidating me with all this shit. It's like, you get it that there's like a a genuine connection to be had with everyone. It's just a matter of whether or not they want to feel vulnerable enough to open up to it. Yeah. And when you do find those people, then you know that it's honest and that's true. I feel like that is what it comes down to at the end of the day. If I'm too much for someone, then they're not my person or my people, right? Like you just have to find, I feel like you just got to find the other huggers in the world. That's all. Yeah, no, you're going to be too much for some people. And it's the same with me. I feel like a lot of people are uh, shut off by sometimes my abrasive way of saying things, but it's straightforward to the point And I'm usually joking most of the time, but it is true. If you're too much for some people, then there's always going to be other, there's going to be other groups of people that you're never enough for. And the people that you're never enough for are the ones that are always going to appreciate that side of you. And like, that's why, that's why all those people that you're too much for, they really don't matter when you think about how, how long your life is going to be on in this world. And those are the people that you're too much for. That's totally fine. Cause there's always going to be other people that want more and more and more. Exactly. Do you want to pick another number? 194. 194. Yeah, I felt insecure when you told me I picked a little number. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, usually uh, it's funny because most people pick from like 1 to 20. I'm like, guys, there's 365 <laughs> questions. But most people do. Most people just pick like within that like. Because you don't want to think about it. It's too much to think about. So much pressure. All right. So now we jumped. Now you picked a big number. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> All right, 194. Whoa. This is this is deep. All right. What three questions do you wish you knew the answers to? That's a hard, that's a hard question. I don't even know if I can answer that. What three what three questions do you wish you knew the answers to? Um I I guess one like one question that just comes up right now that I don't even know where the thought came from is like what happens when your time here is done like no one knows (laughs) it's just like a weird like existential life question there like nobody knows as far as science has gotten and developments with technology these days you would think someone would have some sort of theory but it's crazy to think with all the information in the world in your pocket today and no one no one has any clue um i guess that's one question that i would I guess if I knew the answer to it, I'd be like, yeah, cool. <laughs> but, you know how like, much that would change things if we did know? Yeah, it would, it would shape everyone's world in a completely different way. I don't know in what what way either. Yeah, it could be like, that's it. You're, you're 
your light is gone or it's like oh you come back as like a, a leaf on a tree and then i'd be like much more in tune with nature nowadays <laughs> if i knew that was happening i'd go out there and pet him every day uh, i don't know it's just something that i've i guess i thought about it a long time ago and when you say that it's just like i don't know that's one thing that i feel like no one will ever know the answer to and I mean, if you're out there listening right now, you can call me up anytime. Send me an email, jmaxwellmusic at gmail.com if you have the answer. Um, no, I guess that's that's really the first question that comes to mind. Uh, I guess another question would be, is love at first sight, a, like, is that actually a real thing? Uh, Do you uh, think it's a real thing? I'm not sure because... I guess when I was younger, the first sort of things you notice about anyone, like you'd be lying if you say you don't notice someone's physical appearance. Uh, it That was always the, when I was younger, the first thing was always like, oh, like I'm in love with her, <laughs> like based on seeing a picture or a video or, or seeing what you see in Hollywood movies or TV shows. And like, that's what builds your perception or that's what builds the imagery in your head. And nowadays it's, it's honestly the one thing I couldn't care less about is like how it's like not what you do and it's not how you look. It's why you do it and how you do it because somebody doing that same sort of thing and they go about it in a different manner or you find out the reasoning or justification for why someone acts the way they do will always be more valuable, like not valuable, but I, I see more value in that. I appreciate that more then it really is not just what you do, how you look doing it. It's why you're doing it and how you're going about doing it because that's what's more important to, to personally to me. Uh, it's just more of a, the intrinsic soul of someone is what's the only thing to connect to because like your looks will change, your physical appearance will fade. And the only thing that won't change is the person and the qualities will grow and the personality only grows. And it's also good to know if you don't vibe with someone's personality or you don't vibe with how they go about things, like you better strap in because like that's only going to heighten and grow deeper as time goes on. But things like looks and appearance will always change and fade and not in the way you would like, <laughs> not in the way anyone would like, but the qualities that someone has will those things never change. It's just the way someone, it's just who they are. And that's, it's weird to think that that's like the first thing that I'm attracted to now in anyone as a, not even just like as a, as a, uh, I guess like loving relationship, like a romantic partner, but just humans in general, people in general. It's like the only way that I find that I connect with those types of people are when we share similar values or we have certain, uh, rationale behind why we do stuff even if we share these outside sort of activities or outside sort of things that we do in everyday life and there's tons of other people doing it there's only a handful that I really connect with on that genuine level and it's because it is just genuine honesty from the person and their soul and just being yourself Jay, you have so many girls swooning in the in their headphones right now, thinking you're just like so sweet right now. I can just picture I have the messages <laughs> that I'm gonna get. I just I just know it, <laughs> and it's the really? best because it's genuine. 
Well, you can refer them to like my, one of my first TikToks that blew up where it's like, yeah, all these traits that people like, but it's like, I've got all this emotional baggage and like, it's, it reminds me of that last TikTok sound. It's like, well, you fail to like, you think, well, everybody asks, why are you single? And you fail to consider that I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> it's like, I feel like, I feel like all of us are crazy. We all have our own mental instabilities, like to varying degrees and over different stuff, but it would be nice if there was a swooning girl out there that's like, oh yeah, you know what? He actually isn't that crazy. He kind of makes some sense. No, he do it does not that you're not that kind of crazy. You just need to be that person's kind of crazy. That's all. Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's just someone that understands you and you understand them without having to try to, to speak the same language when you just get it naturally. Just vibe. Those are the vibes. Is that what the kids call it these days? Yeah. That's what the kids call it. The vibes. We vibing. That's what I, that's, that's the first thing when we started talking, you were asking me random questions about what I do and why I do it. I was like, well, clearly like we're on the same wavelength. Like, yeah. let's put it on the podcast. <laughs> let's let everyone listen to it. <laughs> All right. That's two questions. You still have one more. If you can come up with third, a third one, I'll be very impressed. Oh, uh, I, I honestly forgot. That's what you're talking about. What's a third question that I would like to. I want to know the answer too. Is that what it is? Yeah. What'd you do? 194. Uh, yeah. What three questions do you wish you knew the answers to? You've had two really good ones. Um, I guess the other very general question I wish, I really wish I knew the answer to, uh, and it's whether or not everybody has their predetermined destiny role that they fall into and whether you accept, like unknowingly you have a fate that you end up at or a destination point or whether or not all of where you end up in your future is determined by the decisions and actions that you make from when you're a baby till you're still growing every single day whether or not any of those decisions are really uh i guess this i i, I never even like look at it that way but it's like the whole simulation thing like are we like in living in a simulation i don't see it that way i just see it as in like are we changing the outcome of where we're going to end up? It's the butterfly I, effect. Do you ever have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen it. I don't I don't get the nosebleeds, but it's like that. It's the same thing. It's just like, whoa, like I made this giant decision in my life today, or I omitted this sort of decision in my life, and I wonder if that's gonna change where I end up. But I'm definitely I believe that the the decisions and actions we take impact that road because Who's to say that you don't have a different, like, only you know what's going on in your mind. And if you're the only one inside your head, then you're consciously making decisions and subconsciously making decisions to get where you're trying to go. Uh, I mean, I guess not everybody's trying to go somewhere, but for, for the most part, we all make decisions and don't take action in certain areas of our life because we're trying to get to a certain point. And it would be nice to know if whether it's all for nothing or if no matter what you do, you, you'll just end up where you're meant to be because that would take some stress off. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know what? I'll be there. It's just a matter of time. But I definitely feel that it's a you play an active role in where you're going to be going because even if you're supposed to end up there, taking an active role will only get you there quicker. Uh, and taking a lackadaisical approach will get you there later. But who's to say that you're not going to end up there because you were meant to. I wish I knew. 
those were three really good answers. I don't think I would have been able to come up with like no, concrete answers. <laughs> I was like, I have no clue because I'm like a stubborn, stubborn motherfucker who thinks he knows the answer to everything. It's just like, oh, well, you know what? There are some, there are a few things in this world I don't know. All right. Last question. I love asking this question. If your life was a photograph, what would it look like? It'd probably be like, I guess, natural lighting, 30 millimeter in focus frame 1.4, something like that. I don't know. Um, for me, I guess really it would just, it would, it would be a picture of, I don't know what the picture would be of, but whatever it included would be something in a comedic manner, something funny. Um, I've never cared to take like, pictures like just smiling with people <laughs> like arm around you arm around you like like pose for the camera like it's always something that makes someone look at it and laugh or smile because that's really what the point of taking a picture is it's not like oh we stood at this tourist point and we stood like everybody else did and like like why not make it something that's memorable for you and then when you look back on it it's like that was fun. Like I had like, instead of being like, we, we bucket list took a picture at this location. It's, Oh, like we had a fun time that day. Like, I remember that that was like, it was goofy. We had a good time. We enjoyed it. That's what's enjoyable about documenting content. I'm realizing now as I'm saying it is actually enjoying it when you're doing it as opposed to like you were saying about how you do a live and you get off and you're like, Ooh, I like that's done putting out content that, I honestly think like I'm like, like losing my mind because I watch some of the stuff that I cut together for like stuff like TikTok or Instagram and I, I laugh at it. I'm like, it's so ridiculous. It's so stupid. And then I'm like, oh, like that's me. Like that's me being an absolute moron, like exposing myself for other people to laugh at my cheap embarrassment. And I realize like if I'm laughing at it and enjoying watching it, like obviously other people are going to look at it and be like, this guy's a moron. Like it's so funny. Like it made me laugh for a couple seconds today and something that pe if people are going to remember and if I'm going to remember from a picture, then I would hope that it's something that was fun and enjoyable because I'm so not about <laughs> the, the pose for the picture type deal. I've done modeling stuff and I hate it because like you're just supposed to do a pose. No, not like not like catwalk modeling. I saw your reaction there. Just like just like some like like for like apparels and clothes and stuff like that. But yeah, that's not me. And even when I did those things, I was like, let me go stand on that log and like dangle off it. And they're like, oh, like usually we just take pictures in front of the tree. And I'm like, I don't want to be boring. <laughs> like, yeah, I want I want to have fun doing this. And I think a lot of people will take in from that that when the actual content is genuine and authentically fun and enjoyable people can sense that like if you're standing in front of a wall taking a serious like people know oh it was just like a headshot photo like there's no no one feels anything about that or cares about it like i guess only then it's like oh are you a good looking person or not when you're doing something fun and you see that someone's actually enjoying it themselves everything else like is not even in the picture all you connect with is that feeling and that emotion of seeing what they're doing or how they're doing it and it makes you it makes you feel something yourself so for the photo i would want it for myself to also be like that that <laughs> i would be like oh i remember that that was a joke today i'd say there's a time and place for like all the modeling stuff there's a time and place for that 
But the difference is, and we have come back to it a thousand times during this episode, is like the difference is the connection. And it's like the energy and the emotion behind it. Boom. Podcast done. We did it. We made it to the very end. And I didn't make you cry. We survived. (laughs) I just shed one single most manly tear. That was it. The manliest tear. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't even see it in high def. It was just, it was really graceful. It just tucked tucked its way behind. I just did one of these little flicks and was like, okay, we're, we're back to normal. And that'll do it for another episode on the Lemon Soul podcast. That was Jason Maxwell. Please go check out all of his stuff on Instagram at It's Jason Maxwell. Find him on Spotify. Listen to his stuff. Give him some love. I'm so, so grateful to have such a well-articulate, genuine, kind, and honest person to be on the podcast. And in the year of 2020, meeting someone over TikTok and messaging them and asking them to be on a podcast is... Super weird, but apparently not weird enough to say no. And I'm just super grateful that he said yes. And we are able to have this conversation and get connected. So please check out his stuff and we'll see you for the next quarantine podcast. Hope you guys are all doing well, staying safe. I love you. Have a great fucking day. Mm